0: What's up, everybody? It's Brian from the Security Squawk podcast. I have with me one of my co-hosts, Randy Bryan. Uh, We are streaming live on our YouTube and Facebook pages, and uh, you can catch us on all the major podcast platforms, including Audible, Spotify, iTunes. I don't know wherever else we're at, but we're everywhere. Google Podcasts. Um, Mr. Andre is not with us today. Uh he is uh feeling under the weather, so hopefully we'll have him back with us soon. But he is
1: watching live though. He better be. Yeah.
0: If he's if he's not, we're gonna hack him.
1: And uh under the weather's kind of an understatement because he was in the hospital, so he was he's a little more than just under the weather.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a HIPAA violation, dude. Come on, man. <laughs> he was visiting people there. <laughs> so uh So yeah, it's uh, Andre's uh, feeling under the weather. We'll leave it at that. If he wants to tell us what's going on with him when he's back on the show, uh, he's free to do that. So uh, our podcast is killing it, my friend. Um, We're getting a significant number of downloads and we appreciate everybody who watches us live and downloads us on their uh, favorite podcast platform. And uh, if you are... Listening to us on a walk or uh while you're driving in the car or just hanging out. Um, remember that all these podcast platforms have reviews. If you could give us a five-star review and maybe take 15 seconds and let somebody know why they should listen to this podcast. Uh, it helps us get our podcast out to the rest of the people because that's like how the algorithms work when other people kind of give us a thumbs up. Uh The podcast platform show us when people do searches and things like that so we really appreciate what everybody's doing and uh keep it going but just uh that's our fee for kind of what doing this channel as i always say we we do this for free we don't annoy you with ads and we don't annoy you with uh, commercials and sponsorships we just cut straight to the chase we get right into cybersecurity talk and we break it down to a level where most people will understand it, how it impacts them in their regular daily life. So if you own a business, if you run the IT at a company or you work at a company and you use a computer, this podcast is for you. It's, this is not really for tech, right? Right, Randy? Mm-hmm. So how are you, sir? Welcome from South Texas.
1: Yeah, doing great, man. Today's fixed to be the hottest day of the year.
0: Yeah, it's pretty well, warm here in Philly, so I got to imagine
1: it's warm where it's you're. It's hot at. inside right now, and I'm in the air conditioning and 76 degrees. That's about mm-hmm. as cold as it's gonna get. Uh, doing great uh, from down here. A lot of stuff going on in the cybersecurity world this week. I know we got a ton of different things to talk about, and um, just uh, having having a good time talking about them and um, discussing them, and you know, helping people come up with some good practical. Uh, solutions to things as we can So and,
0: and really, you know, what we think We excel at on this podcast And why people should listen is because We're straight shooters Number one, we don't beat around the bush And we kind of give our opinion and tell it like It is, and I think people respect that That you kind of You know, stand for something uh, But we break it down To that level where, what does this mean For me, like most people don't Care about this stuff But I think as as we move more and more into technology and technology becomes more ingrained in our lives, um, you know, again, we're just at the, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to technology. We were alive when it was invented, when it was created. So if you think about things like the combustible engine and where that was in the turn of the century in 18, 1900 versus where it's at today just think about where technology is going to be you know in 50 60 70 80 years and cybersecurity is going to be something that people are going to you know need to be aware of i andre and i talk about this all the time and i like to use the analogy of the seatbelt right cuz I don't know. You guys in South Texas probably still don't use seatbelts. Wow. <laughs> but, but I know back in the day in the 70s and 80s, we didn't use seatbelts around here either. Um, but now if you get in a car, most people are strapping on a seatbelt because it's kind of been ingrained in most people that uh, putting on a seatbelt might save your life if you end up in a wreck. So that's that's kind of what we're talking about here. You know, we think these things are an inconvenience or why do I have to do that? That's stupid. I think a lot of people would say the same thing about getting in a car and putting on a seatbelt back in the 70s and 80s. It's like, why do I have to do that? That's stupid. Um, And I think in the future, people are going to be taking things more seriously, like multi factor Mm -hmm. authentication or whatever exists, you know, in the future around that. So,
1: well, kind of on that note, you know, um, seatbelts have been required in Texas since the early eighties, probably before Pennsylvania. Oh, I'm sure, I'm Y'all sure. Swinging hockey sticks at each other and all that. But.
0: Yeah, we, we ride in the back of the flatbed.
1: <laughs> exactly, but you know, it was something that people talked about for years and, and then finally became law and to segue in, we're gonna see the same thing with cybersecurity stuff. People like you and I have been talking about it, talking about the need, and it's just a matter of time before these things are going to be mandated into law because it's becoming a national security issue. Um, we're going to have to have, have probably going to have to have those laws to get people to come on board. Even you know what I mean. Um, so
0: yeah, I had a you know I'll I'll just expand on that a little bit because I just I just came from a really good lunch with somebody who's not in tech but he's in in, in the cyber security and insurance space. And, you know, one of one of the things that we kind of talked about is is just that there's a lot of people out there who I think are misguided right now or they just have this uh, really a belief that they need to get rid of that the government is going to stop ransomware. Like there's a faction of people that I really think that they think the government's going to do something and and ransomware is going to stop. And I'm here to tell you today that that is not the case. Businesses are responsible for their own cybersecurity and businesses are responsible for making sure that they're protecting the data that their customers entrust them with. And they're the only ones responsible. Take ownership of that because the government is not going to drop a bomb Or place a sanction on somebody. You know, the worst thing that, you know, and I'm going to say, be careful what you wish for. Because there's some lawmakers out there who have floated the idea of a government firewall. Kind of like what China has. Yikes. Uh, That may or may not solve the problem. But, you know, I'm going to kind of go out on a limb here like I usually do. And say something that might be a little bit controversial. But, you know... I don't want to give up my internet freedom Mm -hmm. in the same way that I gave up my freedom to walk on an airplane without getting naked. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't, you know, I don't care for, you know, going through TSA and having to take my shoes off and having to basically get down to almost my underwear Mm -hmm. to get on a freaking plane because, quite frankly, what year is it? it's been 20 years since we've had an actual cyber or a terrorist attack on our country. But mm-hmm. look at what that one event did for our freedom. Right now, obviously, if you weren't born before September 11, 2001, you have no freaking idea what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to be able used to be able to walk right into the airport, right up to the terminal. You know, maybe walk through a metal detector and get on an airplane. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think there's a happy medium between what we have today and what, where we used to be? Absolutely. Um, I I really just don't like the fact that because of that one event, we've given up so much of our freedoms in this country. I think there's better ways to do these types of screenings, but this is the way we've chosen right now. Um, and I don't want to see that happen to the internet. So right. that's what I'm going to say about that. What do you got to say about that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm not quite sure because I would, def- I would definitely agree with you. I don't want to give up my freedoms for, you know, something like that. At the same time, if there I mean, I don't even know, there probably isn't a way for the government to have a firewall and be hands off. I don't know. Right. Um, you know, that would obviously be right. an issue. That's right. actually the first I've heard that people were floating that idea
0: um yeah it's definitely something that some lawmakers have kind of floated out there there's some kind of like national firewall that would protect you know the country from cyber attacks and ransomware Mm -hmm. um purely probably a half-baked thought you know what i mean um i don't think it would would ever pass or last uh so you know we'll find out so Mm -hmm. what's up julie from austin texas how are you we see your comments thank you for uh Watching our show. Um, So let's jump into it. I got some things I want to share up on the screen. Uh, Let's bring those up. Uh, The first one being you know what? I get asked this a lot um, from people around ransomware, right? And we're going to kind of get into what happened between Biden and Putin in a minute, but that's not what we're going to talk about first. Um but I get asked all the time by people like w- like why can't we just go arrest these people? Like why why can this just happen and nobody's held accountable and nobody's arrested? Well we'll jump into that in a little bit but we have a little bit of I guess positive news that comes out of this is that um there has been a, an arrest uh in uh, for a ran- part of a ransomware gang. Let's put it that way. I guess we'll we we'll kind of talk about A little bit of these things and and the specifics around why why the U.S. authorities can't just go in and start arresting people. But um, one of the things is, is that if we don't have reciprocity or we don't have any kind of an agreement with a country where we can go in and arrest people or they can go in and arrest the person on our behalf and turn them over, uh, the governments aren't willing to cooperate and do that stuff. Well, in the Ukraine... They're actually an ally of ours, and we do have these agreements. So their national police went in and arrested a bunch of people in the Klopp ransomware gang. So I'm gonna pull up my uh, my screen here, and we're gonna talk about this article. But what do you what do you know about what I just talked about in terms of um, us our authorities being able to make arrests and things like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to have a reciprocal agreement. Um, it's not something they can just, you know, go to some random country and arrest people. You know, that's part of the, the dangers, if you will, that come with the connected Internet. Right. Um, and, you know, what they can do is work to build agreements with other countries where we can share information and go after these criminals, you know, they can they can do that while working with other countries. and that that would really be optimal if they could work that out with as many countries as possible.
0: Yeah, so this article uh from TechCrunch is just talks about multiple suspects believed to be linked to the Clop ransomware gang. Now interestingly enough, Randy on my own uh company's uh cybersecurity YouTube channel that I do I actually went on the dark web yesterday and I pulled their blog site up uh, to show people their their brag site, as they're known as uh, in our world. Um, so if you want to learn more about that, you can check out my YouTube channel, Exact IT Solutions, uh, cyber IT and cybersecurity. You can check out uh, what I talked about with that, but I'm not going to go into that here. So they were able to arrest six six arrests were made after searches at 21 residents in the, uh, capital Kiev and nearby regions. Uh, and it goes on to say, it's unclear whether the defendants are affiliates or core developers. Now I've read another article and I might have that one up here that these were not core developers of the ranch yeah. operation. So
1: I've read that the core, uh, team is going to be in Russia. Correct. And these were, um, you know, ancillary, is that right? Uh, players. Yeah. Um,
0: Exactly. and then these guys, uh, you know were known just like most of the ransomware guys that are around today are known for the double extortion, which is when you have backups of your data or you get hit with ransomware and instead of uh, extorting you to restore your data, they're now extorting you to tell to 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 not release the data that they've stolen to the public. So, they're getting into your network, they're stealing the data after they have the data, then they're encrypting it on your network so you can't use it. And then when you think you're not gonna pay them because our, your IT person did a good job and had nice backups and you're able to recover from backups, they say, well, wait a minute, we have your data and uh, your data is now in our possession and here it is. And they show you kind of little screenshots and things like that to scare you. And they tell you, if you don't pay us the money that we demanded, we're gonna release this to the public, to your customers. They even go as far as like looking at your client list and contacting your clients directly. Like, you know, they they don't just kind of do this as like a a scare tactic and they don't really know what they're looking at. They pour through your data and they learn about you, so. Yeah, and I can't stress
1: that enough, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a trade-off, but you've got to have that data on your network. That is important has got to be, got to be encrypted and you need to encrypt it to your own network. So if it ever is taken off network, it's, it's not useful. It's not even usable. Um, and there's ways to do that. And it's very important now that you do that because you're right. That's, that's, that's becoming more and more popular. I think we're gonna see even more, not even just double extortion, but uh, other ways potentially also. And you think about it, if you have like personal health information and you have a ransomware, and then if they do go and release it, then you've got a breach, uh, a, HIPAA, a HIPAA breach that you have to deal with, um, you know, that's gonna open up a whole another set of fines and a whole another set of compliancy issues. So it's really important to have that important data on your network. It's a it's a double an extra encryption where it's tied to your network and it's not useful if they take it off network.
0: So here's a thought: Why even deploy ransomware? Right? Um, so why even deploy ransomware if you're if you're if the ransom and the ransomware and that whole, you know, kind of like boom, gotcha, like that whole thing, right, mm-hmm. happens, and now they can recover from from a backup or whatever, you know, however they get back up, what, why, why would they even go through the trouble of deploying ransomware when they could just go into the network, steal the files, and then tell the company? We have all your files, pay us. Because I mean, ultimately that's what we where we're ending up anyway. Right. There's always that chance that they're gonna get paid on the ransomware, right? But what mm-hmm. going into what our next article is gonna be and what we're gonna talk about next, with the government making a big deal about ransomware specifically. What if you attack, you know, another pipeline, and instead of just deploying ransom, are you just steal the information and tell the company, "Pay us, or we're going to release all this information." Right. You know what I, I mean? mean?
1: Yeah, it's it's it might be headed to that,
0: um, because because why why put yourself in a position of, you know, having. Ran- being in possession of ransomware, which is a crime in, in most civilized countries, like if you're, in, right. if you're in possession of ransomware code, you're committing a felony, at least in the United States. And a lot of countries have similar laws. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, breaking into someone's network without their permission is also a felony uh, in the United States. Um, so, you know, you're committing felonies all around. So why not? I mean, to me, it just seems like ransomware is becoming like a middleman at this point. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, you're hanging your hat on the leverage of stealing the data.
1: Well, it's also, it's a, it's a visible proof. Right, that, that it's shocking happened.
0: happen. It's they may shock- not
1: believe if, if the data can be leaked, maybe they don't believe it. But when it's encrypted and locked, they're going to believe yeah. it. Oh, yeah.
0: That hurts because you can't do business for sure. Um, And it's a way to get paid quicker, I assume. But at the end of the day, if you just want to, you know, extort a company and they have really valuable data, like I'm talking like hospitals and medical facilities, you know, places that have, you know, information about people that people Mm -hmm. may not want getting out. It seems to me just as easy to... You know, not risk people losing their lives in a hospital and don't Mm -hmm. deploy ransomware. But then, you know, you can still get paid because you're going to extort them for not releasing patient information. Right. Right. So that's I don't know. I I, I'd be interested to see if that in the future is attack that some of these guys take or other groups start taking Um, no ransomware, but data stolen. Mm -hmm. Right. And then they, you know, and then they ask for it. So this is what really, honestly, this is why I wanted to talk about this, what I'm about to get into next, but here's the motivation folks behind why these guys do this stuff. And this is again, like Randy and I said, this is a wing or a small piece of the gang, right? The, you know, imagine what the guys in Russia like Randy mentioned, the main guys in this, imagine what they have in their possession, right? Mm -hmm. So the police seized, also seized equipment from the alleged cop ransomware gang, said to be behind total financial damages of about 500 million. This includes computer equipment, several cars, including a Tesla and Mercedes, (laughs) and a five million, and five million Ukrainian Hrivna, I think that's how that's pronounced, it's about 185,000 in US. The authorities also claim to have successfully shut down the server infrastructure used by the gang members to launch previous attacks. Well, I hope they didn't shut down their brag site because I was just there yesterday. That'd be pretty funny if it's down today. Um, together, law enforcement, law enforcement has managed to shut down the infrastructure from which the virus spreads and block channels for legalizing criminally acquired cryptocurrencies. All right, so they, they got their cars, they got all their toys, they got their money. They also cut off their server so their server can't spread the virus anymore, which is probably their command and control server for their cobalt strike. Uh, and they blocked channels for legalizing criminal, criminally acquired uh, cryptocurrencies so they can no longer get their crypto. Um. So these these guys are pretty much done from this corner of the world. So, Mm -hmm. you agree with that?
1: Um. I don't know. I mean, I think they're they might be done in Ukraine, but it sounds like they have a pretty solid base in Russia. So, right. Who knows?
0: And I I agree. They'll be back. These guys are gone, but the gang itself and the attacks will. If they don't continue with the name Klopp, they'll they'll something new will come up and there'll be a new group, and right. a new brag site on the dark web and things like right. that. So, um, wow. These are the guys that hit Executive farm in April in 2020. I covered that on my channel. Um, Eland and, you know, ransomware oh. attack of Excelion. So a lot of, a lot of they they, they hit a lot of people and they, you know, basically, you know, I don't. I think this this group. I think earlier it said they made five hundred million. Mm-hmm. Uh, These five hundred million can be attributed to them. Um, so I got another. Let me uh, stop sharing my screen real quick. I got another article, uh, and this one I like. I like using this. Um, this one from uh, Brian Krebs. He does a really good job of covering this stuff. So I want to bring his. Uh, his article up real quick and then we'll jump into uh, the president. So there's the Tesla being loaded on the back of the truck in the middle of Ukraine for all we know. Um, But that's it. It's that's one of the nice Teslas too. Um, So uh, they also hit Stanford university medical school, university of California, university of Maryland. Um, I covered a lot of these. They hit a lot of South, South Korean companies, um, this is their actual brag site. I had it up on mine. This is a screenshot of it. Stanford's the one listen, uh, listed here. Uh, this utilitytrailer.com, that's one of their later, latest hits. Um, I was covering that as well. But this, this blog, what you're looking at right here, folks, is the blog on the dark web that this ransomware group use to tell companies and tell the public that we've we've attacked your system and we've stolen your data
1: the, the crazy um, thing is the people that didn't pay a ransom that that data is now available for sale
0: correct so the more, the other part of it and what Randy means by that is when you don't negotiate when you don't pay when you think you're getting away with something these guys are on these on these dark web leak sites. Releasing screenshots and 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 data, literally whole data dumps. They'll put zip files out there that people can just go freely download, and now they have your data that was on your server in your internet right. server. So, um, you know, this is the stuff that's going on out there, and this is why companies need to do a really good job at protecting themselves. Um, so they say right here, uh, and this is where I think I read it, they don't believe that any core actors uh, behind Klopp were apprehended due to the fact that they are probably living in Russia. So and that's what I was leading to earlier, uh, alluding to earlier, was the fact that, you know, Russia is one of those countries where we can't just go in and swoop in and and take care of business. Right. They you know it. And what we saw with Putin and Pi- uh, Biden and Putin this week, my God! Um, Biden and Putin wanted to talk about ransomware this week, right, at their at their summit, right? So um, let's get into that a little bit, Randy. Let's talk about what these two le- world leaders talked about, how ransomware got on the agenda, um, and I guess what the U.S. wanted to bring it up.
1: Yeah, so basically, uh, Biden brought up with Putin 16 uh, critical infrastructure areas of the, the the proposition with Russia was like, hey, these 16 areas are critical infrastructure, and we want to, you know, shake hands and agree that we're not going to attack these specific areas. Um, so... Yeah, go ahead. Before we
0: jump into that, the the main thing is is that if you follow Russia-U.S. relations, if you know anything about geopolitics, um, the history of U.S. and Russia when it comes to arresting Russian citizens and arresting U.S. citizens, um, basically the way it works is is they want things. Reciprocate it. So if they give us some cyber attackers. We They want some spies that we may have arrested. Right. And that's how this works. And, you know, do you really want to give up a, a trained KGB spy back to its country for a, a, a cyber attacker or a cyber criminal? That doesn't seem like, you know, a fair even trade to me. Uh, maybe it is maybe it isn't i don't know um but that's kind of how this works we can't just call up moscow and say hey we want to send you know the fbi or the cia in and or the military in and we want to go to this specific building and arrest these people where or can you go in and get these people for us they won't do it so um and what putin's stance is right now is that he doesn't believe that the Russians are the ones who are doing all this cyber criminal activity. Uh, He doesn't believe that the U S has shown enough evidence for him to be willing to say that he'll have a hand in helping the U S stop this. Um, So that's really the background of it. What were you, what were you going to mention there? uh, Randy? I mean,
1: I guess just my uh, two cents, I was going to get into that because I mean, if, if we're talking government to government proposal, I mean, it obviously we're going to spy on each other. And so, you know, they're going to hack things. We're going to hack things. I'm not saying that anybody likes it or anybody stands for it, but that's going to happen. But to just say, you know, Hey, only these sectors, we're going to agree not to attack. Like, I think if, if Russia is attacking a small business, that's not in that sector, I mean, that's still, that's an act of war. It's different than spying. If you're going in and doing ransomware, that's different than spying. In fact, Andre had a comment, you know, he literally said, you know, what about small businesses? Um, So if their whole agreement is just to agree that we're not going to attack each other in these 16 areas, I think that's, that's, that's kind of a moot point. Hopefully, this agreement will be okay in these areas. Let's agree to work together to fight, you know, cyber crime in these specific areas, but you just don't, you just don't know, um, you know, what what Russia's into. Are they into this? Is it really just criminals from Russia? Is the government behind it? I mean, a lot of these attacks really look like they have a nation state of some sort behind them, um, and then other attacks, you know, don't. Right. Um, so that's kind of my two cents. Is is, you yeah, know, it's
0: hate. interesting. It'll be interesting to see where it goes because there's a couple of things. If you paid attention to the G7 summit that just happened, um, there was a lot of people or leaders that came out of the G7 who uh started using language like cyber attacks, especially on critical infrastructure sectors need to be looked at as acts of war. And and that's how the world needs to start looking at things. Um, It'll be interesting to see if that's the direction this goes into because Mm -hmm. I just think that convincing the majority of the human beings on this planet that something that they can't see, touch, and feel requires a military-type response, right? Mm -hmm. So if Russia does attack one of these sectors and somebody, you know, whether it be NATO or the U S decides we're going to go and we're going to bomb wherever we think these cyber criminals are. Does the rest of the world look at that as, you know, do they put two and two together? Do they understand like, why did America use this type of force against, you know, what is basically, you know, could be looked at by a lot of people as like not real, is not mm-hmm. fantasy, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's on the internet, and I think a mm-hmm. lot of people attach not real to their the internet because mm-hmm. you know, they may not use it in a way where they generate revenue or conduct business. They use it for social media. They use it to connect with their friends and share pictures. Um, their perspective of the internet is that it's not. Uh, as a, a tool that I can use to make money, like a lot of businesses who are fighting this battle look at their their computer systems and the internet as. as, as. So um, the other thing here is, is is what what I think is great. Now, the, the thing of it is is with these 16 sectors, small businesses are part of these 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 16 sectors, right? Information technology is one of the sectors. Your business and my business would be considered in that. And we are small businesses. So there are small businesses within here that are included. But going with my last statement and then saying that you're going to give him a list and you're not going to follow that up with, if you hit these 16 entities or sectors, this is what we're going to do without that. This is just, uh, you know, it's a bite without any without any teeth, you know what right. I mean? And that's the problem. He's telling, he's identifying the sectors, but he's not saying to people what he's going to do as a result. Now, he did allude to the fact that we could basically destroy you with our cyber criminal ab- capabilities. Now we don't know if that's true or not. You know, he he seems to think that that uh, Putin, Biden seems to think that Putin believes that and that believes that we could wipe them clean with our cyber, you know, attacks. Um, But that's not proven yet. And we don't really know, you know, how true that is.
1: Yeah, I've got a a few a few comments to that. So one, my, my the first thing I think about is this can't be our first answer. If you know, if you're getting bullied by somebody, your first answer is not go to the bully and ask him to stop you know, or maybe it is, I don't know, but that can't be your only answer. And our our only answer can't just be, oh, hey, Russia, leave us alone. So we need to have more of a national conversation about this. And we need to be doing more to encourage business leaders and business owners to get secure. And then I'm going to say something, I don't know if it's ever been said, so this may be the first place on the entire internet it's ever said, but we really need a Geneva Convention for cybersecurity. and What I mean by that is the Geneva Convention um, basically set set in place what is considered an act of war and what's considered fair during war and how to treat criminals, I mean, how to treat prisoners and things like that, so we can you know, shoot at each other, that's considered war. But if you have a prisoner, then there's a certain thing that needs to be done. So if we have a, a Geneva Convention on cybercrime where we could lay out ground rules, like we know we're going to be spying on each other and all that stuff, but ransomware ought to be considered an act of war, you know, um, shutting down a pipeline ought to be considered an act of war, you know, and if we can lay that out, like I said, I don't know if anybody's ever proposed that. If not, you heard it here first. Um, but lay it out and basically come up with an international agreement, you know, on what what's considered an act of war, what's not. And then we can deal with these things because it almost seems like we're going into this discussion with Russia, like kind of almost being OK with the fact that cyber attacks are going on, you know, and that they're doing cyber attacks. And then my kind of my last point on that is um, I know the British have basically developed a section of their military that is cyber warfare and cyber defense probably is more more likely what it is. We need something like that. We oh. we need to be developing people to be able to fight back.
0: We have that.
1: Okay. So <laughs> I wasn't quite aware of that. I mean, I know we've got the NSA and things like that. Well,
0: no, we have U.S. But, cyber Command. Okay. So, yeah, we which is part of the Air Force and then every – kind of branch of government has their own cybersecurity force within it. Um, so we absolutely have that. And and I know some of the guys in these positions, and I know some of the contractors that work for these guys. Um, and I fully believe that we probably could wipe some countries. We could do things to countries that would make their heads spin. Let's put it that way. Right. I fully believe that the talent that we have and, and the people that are behind this and the things we know – uh, you combine those groups with the NSA, and I think you have a recipe that most countries don't want to deal with mm-hmm. uh, and won't want to deal with. And, and you know, well, I, I'll go out on a limb and say that ransomware would seem like nothing compared to what we would do to them. Mm-hmm. But is the world ready for that yet? Is the world ready for basically to be told that, every piece of equipment that is out there that you use every day can be exploited Mm -hmm. because that's going to be the out the other side of this. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, how did they do that? Like the first thing you saw when the U S government was able to get the money back for the uh, pipeline. Right. Mm -hmm. I have people calling me up, asking me questions. Like, how did they do it? You know, you know, all the way back to people saying that the NSA must've invented Bitcoin. Because Mm -hmm. they were able to crack it and get the money back. When the reality Mm -hmm. of it was, is that the hackers just were dumb. Mm -hmm. They left things open, and they, you know, our government was able to log into where they stored their Bitcoin online and just move it somewhere else. It was really dumb at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's what you're going to have people who don't know technology very well start asking, and and then, you know, and then people stop trusting technology. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're you're opening and trusting the government at that, too. Right. So you're opening up Pandora's box when you kind of start to reveal to the world what your capabilities are. Right. And I don't think they want to use their their full capabilities unless they're really like I'm talking about. We're really talking about like wartime stuff here. Right. I don't think they view companies getting hit by ransomware as wartime stuff. Like the mass Mm -hmm. population is not having their life threatened because of ransomware. Mm -hmm. Um, But this goes back to your point and what you were starting to say. And I, and I think this is the key and what we're going to leave the podcast with today is that businesses need to take this on themselves. They need to empower themselves to make sure that they're doing everything they can to not, have a ransomware event or get hacked or or what have you, right? We call it cyber resiliency these days. We don't really, we're, we're moving away from the term cyber security because you need technology for your business to operate. So whether you get hit with a fire or flood or, you know, you have employee theft or whatever, um, those types of things affect your business too, just like ransomware. And you need to be able to get past those things and continue to operate your business. And Really that's where the discussion needs to go and technology plays a key role in that. That's why it needs to be a discussion around that technology. Mm -hmm. So that's all I have to say for today, my friend. Good stuff. (laughs) So you want to add anything before I, uh, end the broadcast?
1: I think we've talked about a lot on that. So no, I do not have anything to add.
0: Beautiful. All right. So we're going to wrap up the show. Please remember to, uh, To share us out, drop any questions over on our Facebook page or our YouTube channel. uh, If you have any questions about any of this stuff that we talked about today. Uh, We look forward to bringing Andre back on. Whether he likes it or not, he will be on next week. And uh, we'll see you all soon. We all hope you have a great day and stay safe out there.